Would you pray with me, please? May the words of our mouths, may the words of my mouth, and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. When I was home on vacation a few weeks ago, my sister and I rediscovered one of our favorite TV shows, I Love Lucy. Anybody out there a fan of I Love Lucy? Do you have a favorite episode? Mine's The Crushing of the Grapes, followed very closely by The Chocolate Factory. It's a show that we all know and love, Yet, for my sister and I, neither one of us was old enough to have experienced it when it first aired. But we, like the rest of the world, benefited from the fact that since it premiered on October 15, 1951, it's never been off the air. In fact, 70 years after it first hit the airwaves, the show airs somewhere in the world every moment of every day. That's an impressive feat for a television show that almost didn't get made. You see, the executives at CBS, the network that produced the show, were convinced that no one would watch a television show with a European-American woman married to a Caribbean-Hispanic man from Cuba. They based that belief, of course, on the prevailing prejudices in this nation at that point. In fact, in 1951, there were virtually no persons of color to speak of on network television, certainly not in lead roles. Lucille Ball detested that prejudice, and she refused to make any television show for CBS that didn't include her real-life husband, Desi Arnaz. By 1951, they'd been married for 13 years and both had successful careers, Lucy as a comedic actress and Desi as a musician. Determined to prove those network executives wrong, Desi and Lucy developed a live variety show based on the television show's premise, and they set off across the country playing to packed venues and adoring audiences. Within weeks, CBS relented, and the most successful sitcom in the history of television was born. Desi Arnaz, like many immigrants to this nation, faced prejudice throughout his life. He wasn't perfect, of course, but when confronted with those who were unwilling to give him a chance, he worked all the harder and proved himself beyond any question. He's the one who's responsible for the modern sitcom as we know it, and together with Lucy built one of the largest television production studios in the world. Think for a moment, though, all those great memories we have of I Love Lucy, the laughs that we shared with family and friends. Imagine what our lives would be like without them. How much poorer our lives would be. The assumptions that we make about others, especially those whom we think we know, often impoverish our lives and disempower those about whom we make those assumptions. That's really the heart of today's gospel reading. In this story, Jesus comes back to his hometown after an initial round of successful ministry. 
the crowds who have encountered him have been astounded at his ability to teach and preach and heal. When he comes back to Nazareth, his hometown, he is invited to preach in the synagogue there, that place where he grew up. But this hometown audience, while impressed with Jesus' ability to speak, they can't get over the fact that Jesus is one of them. They don't understand how someone who grew up just down the street, whom they saw every day while he was growing up, could possibly be this charismatic prophet. They remind each other, this is just the son of Mary. There's nothing special about him. He's just a carpenter. We're left to wonder if their words were meant as a slur. Are they calling him a word that I perhaps shouldn't say in worship this morning? Mark tells us that the people were so caught up in knowing how Jesus could have such power that it literally became a stumbling block for them. They simply couldn't get over it. How often do we miss the message because of the messenger in our own world today? How many times do we close our ears to the words God would have us to hear simply because they come in the form of a speaker whom we refuse to accept? When Jesus was rejected by the crowd at Nazareth, we are told that he was able to heal only a few people. He couldn't do much for the people because they couldn't look past his identity as one of them. They were so caught up in his past that they couldn't see what God was doing in him and through him in the present. Mark paints the picture for us of Jesus leaving his hometown, shaking his head in utter amazement at the disbelief of the people, these people that he has known all his life. It's a strange twist because just a few verses earlier in Mark, it's the audiences to whom Jesus has preached who are amazed. And now it's Jesus himself who is amazed. How is it that they don't get it? When we reject people because of their ethnicity, their backgrounds, their lifestyles, their identities, even their theologies, what are we missing? What about when it comes to political ideologies or convictions? How are we impoverishing our own lives and the larger life of our society? Now, I know it isn't easy. Sometimes our assumptions prove to be accurate, and sometimes the people with whom we least want to associate really do turn out to be insufferable. Yet Jesus reminds us that we cannot simply dismiss them any more than we can dismiss any other child of God. For in doing so, we are turning away the God who is present in them as much as in us. So many people miss Jesus simply because they couldn't get over the fact that he was a humble, poor, uneducated carpenter from the backwoods of Galilee. How much they missed because of their prejudice. How much do we miss because of our own prejudices? 
How much does the world miss because we refuse to listen? The words we heard from Ezekiel and 2 Corinthians remind us of the humility that we must carry as we go out to engage the world. It's far too easy for us to think that we have all the answers. If we wish to be heard, if we wish to encounter the God who is beyond the narrow walls that we've built to contain God, if we wish to bring healing to a world so often torn apart by hatred and fear and prejudice, then we must walk into every space with open hearts and open minds, ready to see God in anyone and everything that we meet. That's really the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach the disciples when he sends them out to serve. They aren't to carry extra provisions with them, but rather they are to depend upon the kindness of others to ensure their well-being. When a household or a community won't receive them, Jesus is clear that they are not to argue, but rather to simply leave that place and the people there to their own devices. The disciples are to focus on building community and helping those who are open to their presence. What might the world look like today? What might our nation look like today if we followed that example? How might it change us if we argued less and spent more time caring for those in need among us, those who are willing to receive us? There is so much conflict in our world today, so much division. We assume that we know who someone is before we even meet them. And it's becoming harder and harder to overcome those initial impressions. Jesus invites us to see each other first and foremost as children of God and to focus our energies on building community around that unshakable truth. Amen.